Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is I, your host, for another great episode of Political Theater. It is I, Charles Nash, with you here on the Dark Knight mic. I told everybody I would be back on December the 4th, Sunday. Here it is today. I welcome everybody to a great morning here, a great Sunday morning. And if you're out there right now getting ready to head to church or do your roundabouts at the stores or the busy markets getting ready to go into another fabulous work week, I wish you well. If you're out there getting ready for the Christmas holiday season, rather that be shopping for loved ones, your your children, uh, family, friends, whoever, please be safe out there. And if you're if you're like everybody else, you are in budget crisis mode as you look at the economic impact here going on across the country with inflation running rampant and no signs of it depreciating anytime soon. Now, I have plenty in today's show that I want to talk about, uh, many different topics. The first one that I I really would like to talk about, because they they did not reach an agreement between the unions and the rail workers and, and the government, but they did, in fact, have an agreement that was pushed on them. And I'm going to go into this, because I know most people are saying, well, Mr. Nash, what do you mean? We just heard the other day on the news through the drive-by media that uh, this this agreement that Congress passed diverted this rail shipping crisis. Billions lost across the country. Well, it did. But there's a lot of things in that agreement that Congress pushed through that went against the union, the rail unions, and they are not happy about it at all. So I'm going to read this article and we're going to talk about it a little bit because I have my own opinion to push out to people in the rail industry. I used to work almost 11 years ago. I used to work in the rail industry for almost six years. So if you didn't know that little side bit about me, matter of fact, I can tell you right now, I worked for MIC out here, Marion Industrial Center here in Marion, Ohio. And we had very close ties working with CSX Railways. And that's what I did. I was an intermodal inspector for six years for the rail. Rather, shipments coming into ride rail or coming off the rail. And I did that for six years. And I'm going to tell everybody, this this quick deal that Congress passed is not going to stick. And we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to talk about the article here. This was one of many from many different networks. I got one here from Fox Business. It says, rail workers speak out after Biden forces unions to accept deal. This is what the unions say. He's turned his back on us. And he rightfully has. I mean, the Democratic Party has pushed this bill. But we're going to get into that more after I read the article because I'm going to give you my two cents on what the rail union should do. And from what I'm hearing whispers, 
across the country, which might still happen, and I hope it does. So we're going to get to this article. It says, rail workers are speaking out after Congress voted last week to avoid an industrial strike that could have had catastrophic economic consequences. It says, the BNSF, the railway, a railroad conductor, Jason Schiff, told the Associated Press that he had to choose between getting a cavity filled or attending his seven-year-old's birthday party. Now, Schiff said that he had the option of taking a sick day if he would wanted to, but would have been in a situation where he would have had to rather do his dental procedure or miss his kid's birthday. This is just one example of many people speaking out. Um, the union itself... The members are saying the sick leave that they wanted is because they're not getting appropriate time for leave within the, their busy schedule in the rail system itself. Now, I can attest to this, folks, that the, rail, the railway workers, rather, if you're riding the rail, if you're a conductor, all the way down to the bottom person welders, they don't get a lot of time off. For starters, budgetary issues within the rail system, they're only allowed to hire so many people. And depending on the rail company, which there's only maybe four or five major ones, it's slim pickings on when you get to take time off. And if you're sick, a lot of times you're working when you're sick. Because there's just not enough manpower to cover positions for people when they go down. The other issue is they don't give sick paid leave for a lot of these companies. So it forces people within the rail industry, again, to come in and work while they're ill. And some of these guys, like I said, if they do take time off, they're not getting paid for it. So if you have a normal job where you've got sick leave, these guys do not have this. I can attest to that. It's the same thing if you have a medical issue or a family issue going on. Sometimes you're, you're trying to decide which, which is the lesser of two evils that you're going to have to take up and the other one you're going to have to postpone. Now, the railway itself has said that this agreement passed by Congress it was approved by an 8 of 12 transportation unions involved negotiations. It says um, the four uh, unions, dissenting unions, said that the deal was unfair because it included insignificant paid sick leave time. They had asked for seven paid sick days, but Congress did not include their demands in the bill at all. Despite an effort for progressive lawmakers and even some conservatives to amend the legislation. Now, Biden, he defended the contract, citing wage increases. He said what was negotiated was a much better than anything they had, he said to the news briefly. He also said that the rail unions were not able to get more. Uh, concessions out of the railroads because of big companies knew Congress would intervene and railroads refused to add paid sick days to the deal. 
because they didn't want to pay much more than a special board of arbitrators appointed by Biden recommended during the summer. In addition, it says the railroad said that the unions have agreed over the years to forego paid sick leave in favor of higher wages and strong short-term disability benefits. Now, in this deal, the railroads offered to, to pay three unpaid days for engineers and conductors only to attend medical needs as long as they scheduled at least 30 days in advance and promised to negotiate further. Folks, again, do you see what I'm talking about here? So let's say you work at a bank and you wake up, you wake up sick. Let's say you wake up and you've got pneumonia or COVID, the flu, or you've got a major illness going on. You're going to be able to call off work and have paid sick leave. The rail company does not get this. Conductors and engineers, did you hear what they said in this agreement passed through Congress? Well, you have to give us 30 days notice. 30 days notice if you're going to be sick? So what do you do? Do you just basically say to, the, to influenza, look, you have to give me 30 days notice if, you know, when you attack me. Or if there's a major medical issue going on. Now, the head of the Association of American Railroads Trade Group, this is uh, Ian Jeffries. Now, he acknowledged that there is more to be done, but said that companies uh, said that the compromise deal should make schedules more predictable while delivering the largest raises rail workers have seen in more than four decades. Workers and their unions said that the deal did not do enough to address the quality of life concerns. And that's what this address was about. It had nothing to do with pay. It was about the quality of life of being able to take sick leave or time off. And I'm telling everybody, I know most people are going, come on, Mr. Nash. It's like, if you've ever worked for the rail industry, and I have, you have hardly any time off. And if you take time off, it's like pulling teeth. You may not come back to your job. It's that of a tentative of a job. So, getting down to the brass tacks of this, here's what I'm going to tell everybody on my two cents, because I used to work for six years for the rail industry. And I hope anybody that's out there that works for the rail industry, if you're a union worker, here's what I would tell you to do. Just because Congress and Joe Biden and the Democratic Party go out and create a bill saying that you have to come into work and here's the agreement in which Congress is putting forth. And some of these companies accept it. The big wigs on top. Who's out there riding the rails and controls the, the flow of product from rail to road? You, the working class. I don't know about anybody else. I've seen this with many companies across the U.S., especially here, some of the big ones in here in Ohio. Just because Congress and the big wigs on the top of the company come to a comprehensive deal 
especially one that still screws you over the worker, that doesn't mean you have to abide by it. So this is what I would say to all the rail workers out there, the engineers, the conductors, the guys at the bottom. Go on strike. Just because Congress signs a piece of paper or Joe Biden says this is what you're going to do and this is what I'm going to give you and if you don't like it, tough shit. Well, you know, you can throw that right back in Congress's face. That's, that's the great thing about America. It's a freedom of choice. And if you, the union workers out there, are still getting screwed over, then continue going into a strike and do a national strike. What are they going to do? Say to you, you better come in or we're going to fire you? If <laughs> there's no one working the railroads, good luck. You control the outflow and inflow of what's moving across the country. Don't bend a knee to Joe Biden, the Democratic Party in Congress. Just because they say, well, this is the deal we're going to give you, you take it or else, well, I would call their bluff. And I'd say, or else what? That's just my two cents. And there has been other union workers who have come out and basically said the same thing here. I've got lots of them. I've got several here that's on, on Twitter that's tweeted that. Why do we have to bend the knee just because Congress makes an intentative bill that works against us? And these, these quotes are absolutely correct. You don't. It is no different if you look at across the country in different states at the teachers' unions. If, they, if the teachers' unions or the teachers feel that they're not adequately getting paid or, or adequate benefits, or time off, they strike. Even if the school says, well, we gave you a tentative deal. Well, if they don't want it, they can refuse it. Just because Congress says, well, this is what we say is set in stone, bullshit. If you don't want it, don't agree to it. And just because the big wigs on the top tell you who's running the company, well, you will do this. You're a union for a reason. You don't have to do anything. And I know some people say, well, Mr. Nash, you're, you're inciting riot and panic within the rail union. Now, I'm not the only one who's saying this. I'm not, I'm not telling people that you got to go out and cause a problem. What I'm telling the rail union is, if you still feel that you're being cheated, and it sounds like a large majority of the workers there are saying this, then strike. If it does not mean, if it does not need and meet the quality of life and what you want in an agreement, you know, you can go against your union presidents you can go against your company, and you can definitely go against Congress's demand for whatever they put into a bill. That's what's the great thing about America is. You don't like something, and it's cheating everybody across the board, then strike. You can always say to them, look, we, we can go, we can forego the pay increase. 
for the time off that we're wanting for sick leave. That's not we what we negotiated for. That's what you, Congress, said, well, we'll just we'll give you this benefit to not give you what you're wanting. So don't agree with it. It's like I said, what are they gonna how are they gonna replace a majority of the unions if the workers say, no, we are not gonna follow through with this? This is not what we wanted. We're striking. You're going to effectively shut down the country. And you can stick it to Congress. Why Congress is even involved in this. I know people fight on this as well. The government needs to be involved. The government, this is half the problem. The government picks its nose into problems that it shouldn't even be dealing with. And I know I've heard this back and forth fight for the last week and a half since this topic came up. Well, they should, because it could shut down the country. Look, the government doesn't own the rail systems. I hate to tell everybody this. It's just like any transportation across the country. It's company-owned. And if the rail workers say, we're striking and shutting down, that's it. It'd be no different if a power company had a strike and they shut down the, the, the plant. Or any other assembly line company. Or the teachers union for education. Or a department store. Or a big facility like Amazon. The workers are the ones that have the power. This, this, this notion that Congress making these flimsy-ass bills or that the CEOs at the top of these companies or union leaders have the power, they don't. It's you, the working class, that has the power. And what a lot of people don't understand, the human... The human society itself is like a working col ant colony. And this is where people forget this. Large numbers usually are the ones who went out. Because if you get a large number that gathers and said, look, we have the majority, and this is what we're wanting, and nothing's going to be done until we get it, well, your small majority of leadership they ain't going to be able to do anything because they know that they're screwed over. They may say to you, well, we have the power. They don't have the power. You do. The mass numbers have the power. And the more that there is of you, well, your voice is going to carry on than these small people in Congress and their bill and what they say we're going to shove down your throat. So that's my two cents on, on the rail unions fight between Congress and the rail unions right now. And I know most people are thinking, well, it's over. I'm telling you, it's not over. And if I was the, if I was the unions, the workers, I would still strike. And I would sock it to Congress. I would sock it to government. I don't think what they're asking for for seven days of paid sick leave 
I don't think that's asking very much. <laughs> I really don't. There's a lot of other companies around the nation here that has a lot more than what the union and the rail industry gets. And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. I would love to hear people's reaction to the 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 rail union fight and the this deal that the at Congress, the Democratic Party, and Joe Biden is shoving down the rail unions' throats. I would love to hear everyone's reaction on this and what you feel about it. I I was in a restaurant here the other day. We stopped at Burger King, me and one of my coworkers. And I heard several conversations talking about this topic. Some people agreeing with Congress. Some people agreeing with the, the, the uh, rail unions <clears throat> on their demands. So it's a very interesting topic. If you would like to drop me a line, again, send me a message. I, I would love to hear this. I'm on Twitter. Look me up. It's uh, Charles Nash with Political Theater. Or again, you can send us an email in our forum here at Charles, excuse me, at politicaltheater114 at gmail.com. And I would love to hear what, what people, um, people think about this. I'd love to hear it. So that's, that is the rail union fight that's going on still right now. And even though, like I said, they're saying it's over, it's not. It's not going to be over. Now, <clears throat> speaking of deals when it comes to um, money and some of the issues, not just with the rail service, but within government itself, I've got this article here from Newsmax I'm going to talk about until I go to the break here in about seven minutes. Title of the article here is, To Avoid Government Shutdown, Dems may need to concede on spending agenda. Now, if everybody is not up to speed on this, I have talked about this here the last four weeks, uh, briefly. And I talked about it a little bit more last week on the show. You have another spending bill, governmental spending bill, that it's going to have to get passed. It's the budgetary year spending bill. And we haven't had a budget in over 30 years. That's just a fact. So you have the Democrats who still control the House and the Senate until after the first of the year. They're trying to push through as many agendas as they possibly can before the Republican Party takes over the House at the new year. Well, one of them is the spending bill. Basically, that, that funds the government. So this is, I want to read this article here. It says, President Joe Biden may ask to forego key elements of his lame duck session agenda to pass government funding before Christmas time, the Washington Examiner reported. It says, the White House and congressional Democrats are seeking to force in a slew of measures before the new Congress. Of course they are which includes a Republican-controlled House and a last-ditch effort to forward Biden's plan before likely gridlock. It says, but the party might lack the necessary votes even now, with 10 Republicans' votes necessary in the Senate to push the application's approval for the bill 
through the bypass as a filibuster. Still, defectors from the GOP side remain possible. It says, a fractured as we are on a lot of issues. This is coming from out of Congress. <clears throat> it says, the probability, no better indicator of fractures in our caucus than those of the federal spending issue. It says, although the government is currently funded through December the 16th, that's about a week and a half from now, it says, the, uh, the due to the continuing resolution passed in September, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin urged congressional leaders to retire the, continue, or, yeah, retire the continuing resolution last week and pass a bipartisan appropriations bill. It comes to a Defense Department head is awaiting the passage of an annual National Defense Authorization Act as well, which has received extensive attention to aim fears of depleting U.S. arsenals. Which we've talked about that as well. Now, I know most people are saying, how is the U.S. arsenal, defense arsenal, in peril? Well, folks, again, you can thank that to Joe Biden. Donald Trump had went through in his four years and built the army back up, all the branches. Was working on the defense appropriations bill and was working on getting our military arsenal defense procedures up to standard and working order and stockpiling for defense of our nation. <clears throat> well, when Joe Biden came into office, that all stopped. We have a lot of issues in national defense now that's lacking supply issue within all of departments of defense. So again, another self-inflicted wound here by the Democratic Party and Joe Biden. It says right here at the end of the article, it says, at the time when Many in Congress are strongly supporting the funding level we requested for the fiscal 20 year of 2023 or advocating for additional funding. Operating under the CR continuing resolution moves our budget backward, not forward. So there you have it. So a big fight coming up here in about a week and a half to rather continue the, continu the uh, continuing appropriation spending bill or actually potentially shutting down the government until an actual budget can be put together until after the first of the year. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've got more on this topic because Republicans have already said, and they've already told the congressional leader, Mitch McConnell, we're not passing anything without reading it and going through checking the budgetary system and actually con con making a budgetary fiscal calendar. And if anything is going to be passed, it's only going to be for short term until we can go through and appropriate what is going to be spent and what's not going to be spent on the national budget. And I've got more to talk about that in the article when we come back. I'm uh, 29 minutes here to the top of the hour. I have to take my first commercial time out. So stick with me, and we will be right back. My friends, how many people here love to fly? 
Maybe you've been on a vacation where it requires you to get in a big commercial airliner, or, or maybe you live somewhere local where you have an owner-operator and a small piloted plane who, who does personal rides. Well, if you're someone who loves to fly, or maybe you've never flown before, maybe you have some, some kids or family members you'd like to take up in the air, or maybe you just like to do some sightseeing, maybe see a sunset, take a night fly somewhere here around the Ohio area, uh, maybe locally, maybe a couple miles out. Maybe you're someone who likes to do further rides for longer periods of time. Or again, maybe you're a photographer, you like to do some of those nice aerial pictures. Well, I have a great company for you. It's Sparks Fly. It is here in Mount Gilead, Ohio. It is a veteran owned and operated uh, business here and it's it's owned by pilot and owner Keith Sparks and I'm gonna tell you I had my kids go up here about a week ago and they had a phenomenal time going up in that plane of his now he's got many different types of airplane rides available from a mini tour your basic tour good values better values all the way up to even night flies uh, they go anywhere up from about 20 minutes all the way up to an hour and 30 minute ride. Prices vary on depending on the weather conditions, the time of the year, and where you wanna go. But again, great, great company, a great aerial view. And I'm telling you, you will love this if you've never experienced this before. It, it, he is, he's got a great company, hands down. So they even do flight instructions for individuals too. Maybe you want to get your pilot's license. They do that as well. There are several different ways to contact Sparks Fly, and that is one, you can go to their webpage with it, which is www.sparksflyllc.com. You can also call owner Keith Sparks, phone number 419 six zero six one three zero or even drop him a line at keith at sparksflyllc.com hello there ladies and gentlemen it's me again charles nash your host from political theater when you wake up in the morning you're tired. You're trying to fumble around the bedroom, find your way down the stairs into your kitchen. And what's the one thing you want to do? You want to get woke up. Well, that's where I have a problem. In the morning, I try to find the best coffee that I possibly can. The regular things off the store shelves just don't work for me. But I found a coffee and a company that does. It's called Black Rifle Coffee. Now, Black Rifle Coffee is made and owned by veterans here in the United States. They serve a premium coffee. The coffee is imported from highly qualified coffee beans from Colombia and Brazil. They're roasted for five days at their facilities in Manchester, Tennessee and Salt Lake City, Utah. They have some of the best coffee that you can imagine. One cup, and even a half a cup, gets me woke up in the morning. And I've got enough energy to carry me through the rest of the day. So I'm here to tell you about Black Rifle Coffee. 
you can go online to blackriflecoffee.com, order from their webpage. They will ship it to your house directly. They've got several different kinds of roasts. And again, some of the best coffee you'll ever have. That's Black Rifle Coffee. And if you don't want to believe me, or take my word for it, go to their website. You can get a free trial yourself and taste the magic in their coffee. Again, that's Black Rifle Coffee. Try it. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Charles Nash, from Political Theater. You know, I get to do a lot of local ads for small businesses and businesses that are just opening up here in Ohio. And out of all of them that I've done ads for, there's one that really stands out to me just because of the story behind it. And it's so touching. That would be Footprints and Wax. Now they are a fairly new small family business. They're located between Galleon and Mount Gilead, Ohio. They create all natural hand poured soy wax melts. All natural, chemical free, face, body, hand, feet, and lip scrubs. Chemical free products that help eliminate many dangerous toxins from entering the home and our bodies. They also create hand painted, beautiful wooden ornaments for any occasion. The perfect gift for loved ones. And with the holidays just around the corner, who could pass up on their wide variety of gift baskets they have to offer? Pricing is reasonable and affordable. They provide a professional and speedy process while also trying to maintain the highest quality of products for their customers. Working hours are Monday through Sunday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. For more information, you can find them on Facebook Instagram, or on their webpage at www.footprintsandwax.com. Or you can call the owner, Missy Boggs, area code 419-569-1222 for further questions. And tell them that Charles Nash from Political Theater sent you. Thanks, folks. When you're in need of drain and plumbing services, there's only one place, ladies and gentlemen, for local service that you can actually rely on. That is Dolan Drain and Plumbing Service. Located in Cardington, serving the Morrow County area, Dolan Drain and Plumbing offer quality service and customer satisfaction. With drain cleaning, camera inspections, and a full plumbing service, they offer a 24-7 emergency service for you and your family when the unexpected rears its ugly head. Billing is easy and affordable, and they offer a 10% off for services with cash payments. So if you are in need of a drain or a plumbing service issue, call Doolin and Plumbing Service, area code 419-560. 6807 and put your drain and plumbing services in their hands. You'll be thankful you did, folks.
Need an outside cleaning? Better call Pro Select. House siding, brick or exterior dirtied or mildewed? Better call Pro Select. Deck looking dingy or yellowed? Better call Pro Select. How about gutter stains or window smudges? You better call Pro Select. Pro Select exterior cleaning and services. For more information or to schedule a free estimate, call 740-504-8311 or visit their website at ProSelectLLC or Facebook. Email them at proselect.es at gmail.com for more information. Friends, when it comes to big, costly concrete projects, rather for the residential, commercial, or just for decorative needs, you want a company that's reliable and professionally dependable. That's why for all of my concrete project needs, I contact the people at Pennington Concrete. Pennington Concrete is locally owned and an operated business. They specialize in residential, commercial, and decorative concretes. And they are a five-star rated business. So if you have any concrete projects and need help getting your concrete masterpiece off the ground, put the trowel tools down and call the professionals at Pennington Concrete. You'll save loads of time, money, and headaches. For more information, you can contact Pennington Concrete at 740-396-7620 or check out their Facebook page under Pennington Concrete and tell them that Charles Nash from Political Theater sent you. Now, fellow, here you are in a tragic British bar with a frothy little frown upon your lips. Another pint for me, friend! Extra warm! Your accent blows. Well, I beg to differ. As you're drowning in that hail, you're feeling like a fail. You're sorrier than soggy fish and chips. But you don't have to sit and pout. Just let your Guinness Scrooge come out. Because why should any other jerk enjoy his day? When you're down in the dumps and need some cheering up, seeds turn and tap a Atlas chap and sweetly say, Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And we're back coming in from our first commercial break there. If you're wondering what that was, that is uh, Will Farrell and Ryle Reynolds there singing. Um, it is on their new show on Apple TV, and I witnessed it. It's about two hours long. It's um, it's called Spirited. It's a um, it, it's it's a musical. It, it kind of reminds me of Scrooged. It's along the same lines. Very good movie. I highly recommend that if you have not seen it, please get into Apple TV if you've got it or any of your streaming apps that you can to watch it. Great, great Christmas show. Um, little movie there for the family. Um, me and my wife sat down here uh, Saturday, la or last, excuse me, last Sunday, and we watched that. And we got a good kick out of it. Uh, my kids are upstairs right now watching this. 
Um, but it, it's a very good movie. I highly recommend it, especially if you're someone out there right now looking at the Christmas classics, looking for Christmas you know, movies to get in the Christmas spirit for here in December. Highly, highly recommend, again, Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, and Spirited, a Christmas, a Christmas musical. Very good movie. Now, speaking of what we were getting back into what we were talking about here, uh, we were talking about the, the railroads uh, and the, the, the tentative agreement through Congress. I was talking about the federal budget which is, is, is upon us on December the 16th, they, if they're going to renew it or what they're going to do, if we're going to have a government shutdown. And I've got two more articles to talk about the, the whole issue with short-term, long-term spending bills. One of them here was from Newsmax, and it was a great piece. Uh, title of it is GOP Senators Tell McConnell They'll Only Accept Short-Term spending bills. I'm going to read and get into this here. It says Senate Senate uh, leader here, Mike Lee, Republican from Utah, and three other senators delivered a letter to Senate Majority, excuse me, Senate Minority uh, Leader Mitch McConnell from Kentucky uh, this week, reiterating that they, they need for a short-term continuing resolution that only covers funding for federal government through early January, shortly after the GOP-controlled Congress convenes. It says other signatures on Wednesday's letter included Senator Ted Cruz, Rick Scott, and Mike Byrne. It says GOP senators wrote that in the letter, this is what they put, they said the undersigned uh, stand with the voters is. We believe it to be both impregnant and relevant of poor leadership if the Republican ignores the will of the American people and rubber stamp an enormous spending bill by the Democrats that funds 10 more months of President Biden's agenda without any checks on this reckless policies that have led to a 40-year high in inflation. They're absolutely correct on this. It says, since taking office, President Biden has overseen $4.8 trillion increase in the national deficit, costing an average American household estimated $753 more per month. It, should, it said it should be up to the new Congress to set the spending priorities for the remainder of the fiscal year. Now, the final expert reads here in this letter. It says, now the time for the Republicans is to get serious about leading America towards a better future. The current continuing resolution funds the federal government through December the 16th, like I said, of 2022. The Republicans, again, are saying we must not accept anything other than short-term continuing resolutions that fund the federal government until shortly after the 118th Congress is sworn in. That's after the first of the year. No additional spending, 
No additional policy priorities should be included. Any urgent items that require the Senate's attention should be considered separately and under their own terms. Now, on Tuesday, McConnell teased that there was a widespread agreement among leadership and both parties to pass an enormous spending package here in December. That prompted some pushback from a majority of the Republican conservatives in Congress who would prefer a short-term measure over a a large-scale spending package. On the same day, Senator Scott published an op-end in the Washington Examiner uh, excoriating the Republican leadership for potentially caving to the Democrat spending demands before they take office after the first of the year. Rick Scott said, I ran for Senate leader because the corrupt plan of routinely caving in and allowing Schumer and Biden to win must stop and because we must become a party with a plan to rescue America. That's what Scott wrote. The Florida senator added as well, he said, everyone says the compromise is critical in Washington. That's fine. But it's about time we stop compromising our principles and start making the Democratic compromise theirs. Now look, this is my two cents, and again, my opinion is bupkis. And I'm sure everyone across America, I'm sure people listening into my show here, or people who's new or routinely listen into my show, I'm sure you can agree. Rather, you're a Republican, Democrat, or if you're like me, you're, you're an independent. Look, we have not had a proper budget for over 30 years. We have not. We have just not had a fiscal, but we have not had a fiscal budget in place with checks and balances through the House and the Senate since Clinton, President Bill Clinton, was in office. You can look this up. I'm not kidding my listening audience here. So do I agree with the Republicans here who are arguing, look, we have until the end of December, the new first beginning of the year, before we take control of the House. Short-term spending bills to fund the government. No large applications, no large bills, with nothing but pork sparrow spending attached to it. I agree with that. That is fiscal responsibility right there being recommended. And there should be a control cap on this. I told everybody what was going to happen. Rather, the Republicans took the House or the Senate or both or one. And they did. They took the House. And we have a very narrowed split Senate, which is going to be still controlled by the Democratic Party, narrowly, by one or two seats. I said they were going to push everything they could, the Democratic Party, 
before the 118th House took power and was voted in. And they're going to do this. They're going to try to push everything that's on their Democratic agenda through before January 1st. And they have three and a half weeks to get this done. Plenty of time. Now, this is what I will say to the Republican leadership. Rather, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for the Senate, and we have not had a House leader voted on yet. And whoever that person is going to be, this is what I'm going to tell the GOP. You better not screw what you've got going for you up, because voters will have no voter remorse come a next election cycle. You screw this up and you sit on your hands like when the GOP a couple years ago controlled both House and Senate. They still caved. Nothing was done. And you wondered why the, the, the Democratic Party took control. Because your caucus didn't do anything when it had control. Nothing positive. Matter of fact, you went against the grain You had a House, a Senate, and the White House. And you refused to work with Donald Trump. We made no headway under the Republican Party. And even with them controlling the House, you have a lot of people who still are looking at the GOP as, what are you going to do? But there's all this infighting. You have half the Republican Party who says, look, no no large spending, short-term spending for the fiscal, remainder of the fiscal quarter here, going into the new fiscal year. And then we need to make an actual budget system and check and balance everything. That's just like they're, they're, they're wanting to go through and check all of the money that's going to Ukraine. And all the this extra spending that's that's going out on all these programs in the U.S. And you have the White House and everybody scrambling because you have half of the GOP saying, "Look, we're we're not going to be spending money and just throwing it away. We want everything accounted for that's been spending that we've spent money on." But then you have the GOP members, and Mitch McConnell is in this category. Spend, 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 and not stop. And we cannot keep on this path. We can't. Which is going to send me right in here to the next article that I wanted to speak about. And this is this article. It was on all the major outlets. All of them. I got this one off the New York Times, and they had another one here, another hit piece on it on on Fox News as well. It's Janet Yellen blaming Americans for splurging for record high inflation. She was also on MSNBC here about a week and a half ago. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she was on there going on about how the government needs to do something about this, this stop-loss gap. 
They need to make a, a, a vote before December the 16th. She also talked about the record amount of spending. And it was kick the can down the road with her. But yet her comment was, we can't continue this up as a nation. We're, we're, we've overspent. You think? $4.8 trillion more under Joe Biden. And over probably $3 trillion of that. Appropriated money for garbage. Which is going to do nothing for you, the American public, the taxpayer, but burden you even further. Great example. The Reflation Duction Act. What has it done? Not a damn thing. Do you see, do you see a reduction in, in inflation right now in the cost of you going to the store? Absolutely not. What was in that bill? Spending for blue states. Who already are in financial red. Primarily California. What else was in that bill? More green energy garbage. Which I hate to tell everybody this. Because I know I have people going, Oh, you, you're, just, you're always against the green... When are we going to see an actual profit made off the Green New Deal? You're not. We are losing money into research and development. That's going to go nowhere because it's not feasibly sustainable. Not with where we sit now. Hell, I read an article here the other day. It was on Yahoo News, of all places. They gave the breakdown, and I've read these before. They gave a very thorough breakdown of the spending between an electric vehicle and a gas vehicle presently as it stands today. With inflation up and with your the, 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 the problems with the energy sector, and the spikes within gas and electric for, for your um, home consumption. Would you like to know what the outcome of that article was? That you might only save as it sits right now with the national average of gas and diesel and the national average of what people are paying in their home for electricity right now, and that's dependent on where you live in what state you live in. They said nationally, with an electric vehicle, you may save between 4 and $5 a month. That's it. I hate to tell everybody that. That's dismally poor. You're really not saving anything. And then the article concluded with, <clears throat> and this was the kicker, you may actually profit on saving more on gas or diesel costs for your vehicle. Because again, depending on what state you live, you could be paying more for your electric vehicle to charge it than you would on a gas guzzler. Do you see how they worded that? And why did they do that? Because they're telling you the truth, but they don't want to offset people from going out and purchasing an electric vehicle. 
are substantially changing their mind that they're, they're going to be saving money in the long run. Because they're not. You're not. So again, money wasted. We don't even have the facilities to facilitate these record numbers of electric vehicles that they're wanting to shove down everyone's throat. Hell, we have states that have rolling blackouts right now because we don't have the infrastructure within the power grid to support ourselves, yet alone adding in the green new energy cost and readiness for all this garbage that they're wanting to push down everyone's throat. It's the same thing with all these bills with this environmental climate change bullshit. And it is. It's a bunch of hypothetical garbage. And I know I have people out there going, you don't know what you're talking about. Everything is, is computer simulated. It's computer generated. They have no data on it. You go back a thousand years, folks. Storms are just as deadly as they was back then as they are now. Nothing has changed. We have temperature influx and deflux. That has never changed in, in Mother Nature and the history of this planet. I could go on and on, and you've all heard me. But this is the money that we've spent on, this $4.8 trillion. And what is the return that you, the taxpayer, the American public, have gotten from it? Absolutely nothing. If anything, you've had more sucked out of your wallet, your paycheck, and at the end of the year, you're going to see where that went because your tax return is going to be null and void. Because Uncle Sam is just taking more than what we have. So I got this article here, like I said, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She's talking about the, the budget, the fiscal budget. Then they start talking about in this article here that I'm reading about, she's talking about, they, they asked her, she was on Stephen Colbert's show here the other night, and he asked her about the whole issue with inflation. And, he, and I will give it to Stephen Colbert here. He actually kind of dug in on Joe Biden and the Democratic Party here a little bit. I was surprised. He asked Janet Yellen, he said, look, you guys passed this Inflation Reduction Act. I really don't see it's done anything. Would you like to know what Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, what she blamed inflation on right now? The American public. I'm going to read this to you. I, I, I was laughing all the way to the bank. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen blamed consumers, expensive spending habits, as the primary cause for the nearly 40 high inflation rate on Wednesday. I'm not kidding you here. This is the Biden official appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert where she was asked about the price increases that have plagued the U.S. for more than a year now. Colbert actually asked her 
to explain to the audience on how inflation got out of hand. She said, two years ago, everything seemed fine. This is what the late night, late night host said. He said, known for, he, he's known for, you know, being sympathetic for Joe Biden and, and, and the Democratic Party. But he even noted here, he said, the Biden administration has dismissed inflation as a small risk and as recent as last year has said there's not a problem with it. Now, Yellen has argued that the administration's COVID-19 pandemic was so well that the consumers felt comfortable to splurge on goods. And that's what she's saying has led to the inflation problem. Continued spending on you, the consumers. This is what she said. She said, we had rapid recovery from the pandemic. Arguing that Biden's policies brought unemployment down from 7% to 3.7%. She said, it turned out that the pandemic had a very special impact on the economy. Remember, everybody stopped spending on services, she pointed out, as businesses were shut down. Instead, people went to spend more money on grills, technology, office equipment, because they were working from home. They were in their homes for over a year or more, and they wanted to buy grills and office furniture. They were working from home. They suddenly started splurging on goods, buying technology, she claimed, which led to supply chain bottlenecks. Now, later in the interview, Yellen also blamed Russia, of course, for the increase in food and gas prices. Now, look, I don't need to go into this article anymore. I wanted to bring it up. But this is the example of what I'm talking about here. Do you see how, again, you have the Democrats, you have Joe Biden's own people, how they go back and forth? First, it's, yeah, we have a problem. We've overspent. We can't keep this trend up. And now, now it's recovery from what they said. Recovery from the obvious facts of what the self-damage We've, they've done to the nation. So now what's now what is her excuse now? Well, it's the consumer's fault. Overspending. Spending on key areas. This is what's caused inflation. What about, about the Deficit Reduction Act? Well, look, the problem really is it's Russia. It, 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 it's Russia and the Ukraine war. And, and that's caused food and gas prices to go up. Not, not us. Not us shutting down the energy sectors, the oil industry, the fracking industry, not us having a war on natural gas and coal, uh, not, not us making it sweat. There's no new fossil fuel contracts. It, it has nothing to do with us going in and raping the, the national reserve for fuel. And it has nothing to do with $4.8 trillion in reckless spending that really didn't go to the American public to do a damn thing. It was in our own party interest to help cause more damage. That's Janet Yellen. That's her, that is her, that is Janet Yelling's excuse here. We just prior to that a month ago, she was saying, look, uh, you know, we, we should probably cut back on our spending you know, we're, we're heading for an influx here of problems. I see this coming a mile away. We need to watch what we're doing. Well, no, now we're, it's, it's the democratic code. 
we point out the obvious of what they've, we've done to self-implode on the country and the nation and on the American public. And then when they realize that they let the cat out of the bag on their own party and what they've done, it's damage control. Point fingers. Now we're back to it's Russia. That's what's called the food and the gas inflation cost. That's not it. I've been over this. We don't get anything from Russia. And I know you have these economists going, look, Mr. Nash, you and your listeners need to listen here. This is a world problem. I don't give a damn if it's a world problem. I'm talking about the national problem here at home, not the global problem, the national problem. And I hate to tell everybody this again. The war in Ukraine is doing nothing for your prices here at home. I have showed that consistently. Look at the agricultural products. Look at grain. We are the third largest grain supplier in the world. We have no shortage of grain here at home. That is not the reason the prices of food is up. Self-inflicted damage, and that's what it is. It also has to do with the key businesses and markets and who they're controlled by. Because we have sold our soul nationally and globally to other countries. So, of course, they're going to raise the prices here. Because they're going to gouge you, the American public. They don't give a damn. It's the same thing here with, with Janet Yellen claiming, well, it's reckless spending by the consumers. You, the American public, you did this. Really. Now, you know what did this? government overreach on your party when you go out and just start giving away money to the american public and say well you don't got to you don't got to pay this back well you will you will through uncle sam what do you think was going to happen it also has to do with the way the government is blowing money it doesn't have and you if you devalue the dollar in which it stands That, Janet Yelling, is what the problem is. And don't get me started with this whole, this this pork barrel spending from both parties, not just Democrats, Republicans too, and the backdoor deals and which is going on. And this is why I have said, and I have advocated, we need to go back to every bill that's presented between the House and the Senate needs to be voted on individually, not these huge-ass 4,000-page packets and no one knows what the hell they're voting on. We have a lot more things accomplished here in in the United States, and we'd actually get things going from backwards to forward in the right direction. Now, folks, I am looking at the clock here. I have to break for a commercial timeout. I will be back to wrap up the show, so hold tight. I'll be right back. How many people love sweets? Well, if you're anything like me, folks, you always have that sweet tooth. But there's a solution when it comes to your sugar delight needs. 
Introducing Sprinkle Lisa Cookies and Cakery. With over 40 plus years in bakery experience, Sprinkle Lisa Cookies and Cakery is your one-stop shop for all your bakery sweets that you're ever gonna need, folks. From delicious sugar cookies decorated to match any special party or party theme occasion, pies and amazing cupcakes from garment flavors to traditional and fabulous wedding cakes for that one in a lifetime moment. Sprinkle Lisa Cookies and Cakery is hands down the professional and dependable business that you need to order from. For more information, contact Sprinkle Lisa Cookies and Cakery at 419-709-0918 or check out their Facebook page for more details and special offers. Dad, I want a cookie. Looks like I'm going to be making a late night order to Lisa Sprinkles Cookies and Cakeries, folks. When it comes to Mother Nature, anything is possible. And with the unknown possibility comes severe weather. With these severe weather, what usually happens? You get down trees. Once the tree is removed, you've got these stumps just sitting everywhere. They're ungodly and they're just sitting in your yard, folks. Rather in the backyard, the front yard, up against your house. And they're just a sight for sore eyes. You have to mow around them. You have to stare at them through your windows. Your neighbors don't like seeing it. It makes your property values go down. And over time, stumps start to decay, become sinkholes, or even become bug infested. And who wants to have to call an exterminator for an extra cost? But folks, there is an answer to this problem. It's called Neidhart's Stump Removal and Land Clearing Operations. A family-owned and operated business Nyhart's Stump Removal offers not only stump removal, but forestry, logging, tree cutting services, demolition, as well as excavation. And they're fully insured if something would happen while they're on the job. For more information, you can contact them at 740-751-5654 or visit their website at www nineheartsstumpremoval.com or send your questions to info at nineheartstumpremoval.com Time A word we take for granted As the years pass by so does one's age Families and loved ones share memories and moments Many times, as loved ones pass on, they bequeath antiques from their past that end up carrying on into the future through their loved ones, as antique items are handed down through generation to generation. Friends, if you're someone like me, antiques are a way to pass along one story onto the next generation. And maybe that's why my friends at the On the Square Antiques specialize in just that, antiques. Located in downtown Mount Gilead, Ohio, On the Square Antiques feature fine antiques, collectibles, furniture, 
Grand Millennial, Granny Chick, Artwork, and Very Nice Jewelry. Store hours are Wednesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and Sunday, 12 to 4 p.m. They arrange payments very easily, and you can pick up at your own convenience, or shipping options are available. For more information, check out their Facebook page on On The Square Antiques, or you can message them at onthesquareantiques at yahoo.com, or even by phone, area code 614-330-6322. And as they always say, happy antiquing. My friends, how many people here have a driveway or maybe have a driveway that needs repaired? Well, I have a great company here. It is KB, the Gravel Guy LLC. Now they are located in mid-Ohio, in the Ohio area. They are basically a gravel company. They will come in, completely redo your driveway. Maybe you have some holes that need to be filled in. Well. KB, the gravel guy, can take care of that for you. Now, I have their information here. You can rather go to their Facebook page under KB, the gravel guy, or you can give them a telephone call, area code 419-564-7231, or you can even message them through their Facebook page and app. Again, that's KB, the gravel guy, for all of your gravel needs. Stress, headaches, and long hours at work. That pain in your lower back that just won't go away. Day after day, week after long week. You for once wish you could be pampered. Get some feeling of relaxation you've long deserved. Well, I'm happy to announce you can. And it's easy, affordable, and just a click or phone call away. When life has taken away my relaxation, I check into the Tailored Massage Therapy and Wellness. Located at 6174 Commerce Drive, Suit E in Mount Gilead, Ohio, Tailored Massage Therapy and Wellness offer a wide variety of services, including relaxation massage, therapeutic deep tissue massage, cupping, hot stones, prenatal massage, facials, facial waxing and cupping, eyebrow tinting and eyelash lifting, CBD muscle mender, and even aromatherapy. They are a five-star rated business. Operating hours are Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, check out their Facebook page or tailoredmassagetherapyandwellness.com. You can also contact them by email at tailoredmassagewellness at gmail.com or by phone, area code 
And we are back coming in to our last commercial time out here. And uh, I've got Phil Collins here with Take Me Home. Now, I've got a couple more articles here that I want to dis discuss for today's show. One of them, since we've been talking about union battles, we've been talking about the federal government and the budget battle that's coming up. Um, inflation, I, I, I have a couple more here that has to do in that same realm. I've got one here. Um, this was on the Hill. You can also find it on Fox. Uh, Politico had this uh, an article about this as well. It says layoffs mount as job market gets murky. Now, if you were listening to me before I went to commercial break, you had Janet Yelling, Treasury Secretary Janet Yelling, going on about how she she says she said that the the job unemployment rate under Biden fell from 7% to 3.7%. Well, I, I want to read this article here to you. It says, A growing number of businesses are laying off workers en masse as they brace for a potential recession triggered by high inflation and rising interest rates. It says, Despite a still solid job growth, and record high wages in many industries. It says dozens of businesses are beginning to batten down the hatches as they warn of an increasing grim economic outlook. It says uh, here, it says Apple, Amazon, Meta, Lyft, Twitter are just among many tech companies either implementing hiring freezes, or letting workers go as the Federal Reserve moves to raise interest rates at the fastest pace in decades in order to combat inflation. It says here that economists widely expect the Fed to trigger a recession with higher interest rates, which could force, could force consumers and ultimately businesses to pull back on spending. It says, still, despite the plethora of job cuts at notable companies, this has yet to be translated into a de demonstratively weaker labor picture, according to the uh, Burden Murphy, the, the head of the global fixed income at the North America Insight Investment Group. It says that could change in the coming months as companies continue to pull back aim higher interest rates. It says here, the pace of layoffs accelerated here in November as companies adjusted to a weaker macro environment and aimed weaker advertisement revenue. It says with higher interest rates and inflation as well as possible overhiring during the pandemic, this is a weaker labor picture is a natural outcome of the Federal Reserve's policies to tighten federal conditions to tackle the inflation problem. So the Labor Department on Friday morning is releasing its closely watched November jobs report, which is projected to show that payrolls increased by 190,000 last month, and that the unemployment rate held steady at 3.7%, according to the Medine estimate by Revitev Economics, an 
economic groups. This is that the, the mark of drop of 261,000 recorded in August for jobs would be the weakest monthly job growth since December of 2022. So there you have it. They've got a chart down here. This one was on, I looked at this chart. It's on Fox Business and Politico. And you can see the the, the tracking of the uh, job growth under Joe Biden from 2022 to uh, back to 2020. And I'm going to tell you, it's it's not good. So speaking of this, this is what the article did not cover. Okay, Th this was kind of painting somewhat of an okay medium picture here. So they said that payrolls were up by 190,000 this year. Was the payroll increase here last month? Excuse me, that was for November. <clears throat> Here's what they didn't say with that number. Even if revenues have gone up for the average American worker, you have to subtract out the inflation issue. You also have to take into consideration fuel and energy costs that has skyrocketed across the nation. So did anyone really get a increase in pay? Aimed tackling and you have to add in the inflation rate bubble. The answer is no. If anything, you've lost money. And that's what this article did not tackle within its numbers. It is the same thing when it comes to the job reports, when it comes to the unemployment rate. They're saying it stayed at 3.7% down from 7% since 2020. This is what they did not add into that. You have to look at the actual job growth numbers and actually where those job growth numbers and the sectors in which they were in. When it comes to actual high-paying jobs, your unemployment rate actually goes up because those jobs are no longer available or they've went away. When you look at the job growth and unemployment rate sitting at a 3.7%, why is that? Because the market is saturated with low-end market jobs right now and people having no money or they've ran out of savings are now having to take lower-end jobs or multiple lower-end jobs to stay afloat. So, of course, the unemployment rate is going to stay where it's at. Because they, again, not adding in job industries in which in the sectors in which they lost and what they have now. This is why I, when I look at the unemployment rate, I laugh because they never go into statistical breakdown of the jobs in which is out there compared to what it was and what has been lost and has gone away and is not coming back. And your high-end earning jobs are not out there anymore. They're slim pickings. 
So I just wanted to share this article with everybody again. You can find it, Fox News, Politico. Um, I even seen it in Washington Post. Layoffs mount as job market gets murky. Very good read. You can They've got even more breakdown in there, but I wanted to add those statistical um, equations in there that they never put in those columns. You have to add all of that up into those numbers. Nine times out of ten, they will not show you that, especially if they're trying to paint a pretty picture for whatever party they hold dearest to their heart. They never show those numbers. They never give you the breakdown. And this is why I like to bring those up. Now, speaking, we're going to move away from the financial sectors. I've got four articles here I want to discuss before we run out of time. I had to laugh here the other night. Um, did anybody see the new battle now that's brewing on Twitter with Elon Musk? Well, he, uh, he ended up scorching the media here the other night uh, against this whole thing with uh, free speech. And if you haven't heard, the White House has been telling the public that they're, they're, they're monitoring Twitter and how screwed up Twitter is under Elon Musk and that the federal government needs to go in and moderate Twitter under Musk because, well, the misinformation. I'm going to read this article. It says, Twitter users jumped on tech mongrel Elon Musk's tweet last Monday attacking the media for being against free speech. At Monday's White House press conference, uh, Press Secretary Jean Perry confirmed that the Biden administration is keeping a close eye on Twitter after Reuters, uh, one of their, their news reporters, asked what is being done to prevent the platform from becoming a vector for misinformation. This is what they said. They said there's research at, the, at Stanford. Researchers there say that this is a critical moment in terms of ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector of misinformation. They say that Elon Musk says there's more and more subscribers coming online and you are concerned about what tools that these individuals are going to have and who it is at the White House is really keeping track of this. She said that they are. It says here, political commentator Dave Rubin shared a video, video of the exchange between the White House administration and reporters. Um, condemning, and they've got a thing here, it says they were condemning reporters for advocating for the government to intervene in social media. Now later on, Musk responded by calling out the me uh, social medias here or the media outlets, a drive-by media, for acting against free speech with regard to his company and Twitter. You had Elon Musk here. He said, this is what he tweeted out. says, absolutely insane watching the machine go after uh, Twitter and myself for defending free, free speech. He says, this whole exchange is basically... It's basically a, a caboo of theater from the ridiculous leading question by the journalist to 
KJP's obviously pre-planned response. Musk also responded that why are so many in the media against free speech? This is messed up. Well, Mr. Musk, I can tell you this right now. You bought Twitter. They didn't like that. That was a liberal shutdown network of online against free speech. You opened it back up to the public. So, of course, everything now is going to be, we're back to, yeah, it's misinformation. We have people going against the grain. We have people saying things that we don't like. Misinformation. That is the cancel culture, folks, that we are in. Instead of everyone sitting down and having their own opinions, debating one another, having a friendly sit down, you don't have to agree. You can disagree. And you can do it peacefully and go about your business every day. Nope. Not in today's liberal cancel culture. And today, free speech, your opinion, if it goes against the grain and what someone thinks, it's wrong. It's misinformation. You're causing a huge injustice to the world. We just can't have that. This is what I'll say to Elon Musk. Continue what you're doing. Reinstate everybody. I would not censor anybody. I don't care if it is hate speech. Hate speech is also free speech. I hate to tell everybody this. You know, I guess it's kind of like growing up what my parents told me. If you don't want to listen to somebody, then don't listen to them. Especially if it's on the radio, social media, on TV. You've got a clicker. Tune away from it. If you don't like what someone's shouting out on the street, walk away. You can tune somebody out. You don't have to agree with someone and sit there and listen to something. Speaking of Elon Musk, he made news this morning with vowing to show more smoking gun evidence as he starts to expose the former network inner workings of Twitter before they, he bought it. I'm going to read this article today. It says, Elon Musk is vowing more Twitter revelations to come here on Sunday. He said this is after uh, outing President Joe Biden's administration for directing political censorship operations at Twitter. He says there are more smoking guns to reveal Musk presumed Saturday night on the Twitter Spaces audio platform. He also noted he is bringing up on himself issues here. It's going to arise at him, an ear coming at him, for exposing the, the, the political bias on the social media giant's platform, preemptively saying, I do not have any suicidal thoughts. He's referring to what happened with Jeffrey Epstein. Because now Musk is saying, look, people are going to come at me with all this information, all these dark files that I'm getting ready and have released, and there's more to come. 
it's showing that during the 2020 presidential election, under the presidential electoral cycle there, that there was suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story, that there was a lot of backdoor dealings with cancel culture operations from woke advisors, and that there was a lot of um, communication between the DNC with Twitter and a lot of major social media platforms to not only suppress the vote, suppress information that could potentially sway voters during the election. Now, Musk said that his comment to the truth should ultimately force the mainstream media to follow suit. Good luck with that. He said, we're just going to put out all the information out there to get it clean slate. We will, we will be a better workforce for this, and other media companies also be more truthful, or else you'll lose their readership. This is what Musk said here on live Twitter space, uh, Q&A questions. Musk said that the, he's not getting into the... Uh, minute of uh, Twitter files, he said he's, he wants to go through and expose all of this corruption since he's starting a new leaf with this company. And he says the American public have a right to know about the suppression, the political suppression, and the backdoor dealings that was going on at Twitter and all of the social media platforms with the DNC during the 2020 elections. Now, you can go into this article. It's very, very lengthy. I bring this up because then Donald Trump got on and basically scourged the White House, basically saying, look, there's smoking guns coming out that you people in the social media helped rig certain aspects of the election uh, should we take the Constitution at hand? Should we just throw out the 2020 presidential election and have a redo? Well, the White House has already clapped back on that. You can see the back and forth that made headlines today as well. I'm not going to get into that. Look, this is all I'm going to say. Do I feel that there was different hands in the cookie jar when it came to the 2020 presidential election, yes. Are you going to be able to prove this within a shadow of a doubt where it's going to cause an overturn or a new election to take place? Absolutely not. Do I think Donald Trump has a right to his opinion? Absolutely. Do I think him coming out and lambasting the Constitution as it stands on this uh is going to help himself for the 2024 presidential run? No. Donald Trump just needs to run on the key issues. And if I was him, this is just my two cents, you need to move away from the 2020 uh, presidential hit job election. We can't go back and change it. It's not going to change. No one is going to go back and change it. The only thing you can do is look forward to 2024, and that's if you even win the nomination for the Republican Party. 
because I'm starting to hear a lot of chatter that we're going to have some potential big runners beside Donald Trump. I'm not going to get into that. I know I'm kind of leaving my listening audience on saying, well, so what is what has he heard or what does he know that we don't yet? I want to wait. I don't want to name names and look like a fool if they don't really run. But there are some potential big names that I have heard who's going to be getting in. I can tell you this right now. I can give you one of them. And that's going to be former Vice President Mike Pence. Mike Pence will not be running on the ticket with Donald Trump. You will have someone new running with Donald Trump. It's not going to be Mike Pence. Mike Pence has already hinted at many times he is running for presidential nomination for the Republican Party for 2024. And he's already given that nod. He already gave that nod within his book that he just released. He's also gave the nod today saying that he has other people in mind of running with over Donald Trump. He's not going to run with Donald Trump. Guaranteed it. So there you have it. If you're if you're someone who's watching the 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 Twitter battles between Elon Musk and the federal government, you have much more to expect out of that in the coming days and weeks. And I had to laugh at this article here. Yeah, Don Lemon. Did anyone see Don Lemon from CNN? They had him on here the other night, about a week ago. And he was going on about how CNN has never been a liberal network. And he insists that his new boss is, isn't transforming the network away, away from their national standards. I hate to tell him this, but um, I don't care who you put in charge there at CNN. If CNN is still alive and kicking in the next five to ten years, I will be surprised. It's kind of like Disney World. Disney went back to their prior CEO because they're getting lambasted when it comes to finances. They're getting killed in the movie theaters. No one's watching their movies. They're being killed on subscribers to Disney+. Plus. Ratings are down with all their parks. And I wonder why. Because you have moved away from what Disney stands for. Walt Disney would be would be he would roll on his grave right now if he knew how his his company his business his his image of Disney has been destroyed. They think by going back to their former CEO that he's going to turn it around. I don't think he's going to turn anything around. I think you're going to see a substantial financial slide in Disney stocks and Disney in general until Disney starts getting away from what it stands for. Childhood dreams, the magical world itself of fantasy, bringing things to life for kids. When they start basically attacking their own foundations of what the company stood for, great example. 
We're not going to sit there and say that there's boys and girls anymore. Everybody's unisex. You can't speak certain ways. We, we don't have gender in, in our characters. We start putting in all these messages in our, our movies for kids. You're burning all your bridges. Parents are not going to allow that. They don't want that. And that's why their financial stability has gone downhill. It's the same thing with CNN. Everybody knows what CNN is. You can put whoever you want at the top of the company. They're not going to change it. It's a spiraling downward hill for CNN. And I, I see them continuing in that trend no matter who they place at the top. And Don Lemon, I'm sorry to tell you this, CNN is exactly what it is. It's a liberal communist organization. You are paid by the DNC to propagate their word and everything else is bupkis. And people have become aware of this. They're not shy of it anymore. And you wonder why viewership is down. Well, people are getting smart. You also have individuals like moi, myself here, who are not paid, are not making any money by anybody and doing what we do. I don't have big corporate sponsors that's holding my pocketbook. I do all of my advertisement for companies for free. I don't ask anything in return. And I tell people where they can find the information and read it themselves. I do give my opinions, but again, my opinion is like a drop in a bucket. It doesn't matter. You can take it or leave it. You can agree or disagree. And that's why individuals like myself who do their own radio, do their own podcast shows, those are why those streaming companies like Spotify, which I'm on, Anchor, iHeartRadio, that's why they're doing so well right now over the drive-by media and they're continuing to grow. Did you know, folks, I'm going to go ahead and just say this. I had a 165% increase, increase in listenership, viewership this year for the 2022 year. That's phenomenal. And that is out of 57 episodes that I did for the 2022 year. You can find that information on my Facebook page. You can even go to Anchor or Spotify and look that up. I also, on average, have six other countries besides here in the United States that listen to me on a weekly basis. That's phenomenal. And this is why the trend of, of people like myself, it's catching on. And why you have news networks, major news networks like CNN, who are crumbling. Now, I do, I really give it to the Democratic Party. I'm not a Republican, and I give it to the, Dem to the Republicans as well as the Democrats. Look, I'm, I'm for sanity. I am for small government, and I will continue to lambaste politicians of either side until we get back to the fundamental working political Congress that we should have. I will continue to do the show as I see fit to do it and give you the information, the listener, to where you can, you can go and find it. That is my job. And I'm not making any money off of doing this. Just like I will continue to do free advertisement for, for businesses, for Think Local First. 
That is my gift to, to the community to try to give back. That's a working map that I think everybody should be on, especially if you're doing media. It's not always about profit. That is going to wrap up tonight's show. Again, I would like to thank all of my listeners. If you are new, please continue to come back. I will try to, to tantalize your eardrums as much as I possibly can. I know political spectrums are very hard to stay involved in, and it makes a lot of people mad. It's kind of like religion, but I, I try to stay as neutral as possible. If you would like free advertisement, if you would like to drop me a message, there's, there's several different ways. You can go to Political Theater with Charles Nash on Twitter. You can go to uh, my email, which is charlesnash at politicaltheater114 at gmail.com. You can go to my Facebook page, or you can give me a telephone call, area code 740-802-7936. That is going to be it for tonight's show. I will be back next Sunday which is December the 11th is when I will be back here again. So until then, everybody stay safe out there. Continue to have a great week, and I will see you back here on next Sunday. Good night, folks.